Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Psalm Jim. 27. We've been in this for four weeks, this being the fourth week, and I'm going to conclude this teaching today this series today called Fearless Faith. I'm trying. <laughs> His phone said, go ahead. <laughs> and I want to talk to you about, before we do that, I want to recap what we've talked about. We've talked about how fearless faith, a faith that is unshakable, is confident. And we learned in the first teaching that that confident faith is confident because who God is and the trust that we have in who God is. Listen to me. God declares in this psalm that He is the light, that He is the salvation, and that He is the deliverer. He is the defender. So what does that mean to us? That means that God illuminates, that He shows us what truth is. And in that truth, only found in Christ Jesus, He brings us to salvation. And once we're in salvation, we can expect, we can take confidence in the fact that He is going to watch over us and defend us. Because who doesn't take care of their own? Amen? And certainly our God is capable of defending us. And then we talk, we move from confidence to fearless faith is expectant. Because of the faith that is confident, we can expect God to do what He says He'll do. I have no doubt. Well, it's not. Sometimes, I, 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 and I'm going to talk about this in a little while, I, I ask God, I have faith, but help me with my faith. But I have no doubt this is the Word of God. This is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. There is no false in it. There is no contradiction in it. And because of that, I expect God to deliver on His promises. Well, that's awful arrogant. No, it's bold. And the Bible says that we can have confidence to come into the throne room expecting to receive mercy in our time of need. That is the boldness I'm talking about. That is the expectation we should all seek God after, that we should build our faith on. Because if God says it and we can't rely on it, why are we even praying? And so our prayer is confident, but it's expectant. And in having confident and expectant faith, we should constantly seek a faithful, a fearless faith. I always say a faithful fear. That's not what I mean. A fearless faith always seeks more of God. And then this week I want to talk to you about Really how I think David encapsulates the entire teaching, the, the entire psalm, song, in the last four verses. With a, with a lesson titled, Fearless Faith Trusts. Before I do that, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to, have to, I'm going to ask you to do some personal introspection. Do you trust God? Did the lights just come on? Okay. I didn't know if maybe I... It was me or... All right. 
Do you trust God? Is the question I'm asking. Look at me. Do you trust God? I feel like the guy in the romantic comedy. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. I can't remember the name of it. What's the name of it? No, I don't think it's Jeremy McGuire. Maybe it is. I don't think it is. Anyway, what is it? The notebook. It's the notebook. Yeah, in the rain, he's all, just tell me what you want. Do you have faith in God? I, I, I'm ashamed to know that. Do you, do, you, do you have faith in God? Most of us would say yes. But do we really? I don't want a shallow yes from you. God doesn't want a shallow yes from you. He wants a yes from you that says he, that it's actually true in all circumstances. That our faith isn't based on our, what's going on around us. We need to have faith like Elijah had faith. Elisha had faith. Let me read something to you. Elisha and his servant were held up, or not held up, they were staying in Dothan, which is a city, and their enemy was pursuing them. And the servant wakes up real early in the morning and does whatever servants do early in the morning. He steps outside and he sees an army that had caught up with them circling around the walls of the city that they were in knowing that they were there to destroy them. Now imagine that. Get outside of the text and imagine what that must look like. You wake up, you're about half foggy-eyed, you still got some of that crust in your eyeballs, and you look out and there's an army circling. Y'all act like you ain't got crust in your eyeballs. There's an army circling around the city that you're in for no other reason than to destroy you. Do you have faith to trust in God then? This is what happens. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, that is Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Y'all ever been in a situation like that? World upside down? Seems like the enemy's coming against you. Everybody's surrounding you. And you just ask the question, what should we do? Well, let me tell you what Elijah told him to do. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now this guy's just looking around. He's like, what are you talking about, man? It's just us. And then Elisha says this. Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes. That's the eyes of the servant that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. They thought they were circling the city, but God was circling them. That's the kind of faith we need to have, a faith that says it doesn't matter what I see because my faith isn't built on what I can see. My faith is built on my hope. Amen? And so, But God removed that veil so he could see that God was with him. Do you have trust in God to know regardless of what comes against you, God is with you? That's the question that we need to ask. It's not a thin question. It's a very deep question by which all of your convictions, all of your actions, should rest. But not just Elijah. Do we have trust in God like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You guys know this is one of my favorite stories in all, all the Scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down and worship the false god like they were commanded to, so they were going to be put in a fiery furnace. 
a fiery furnace that was so fiery, in fact, that even getting close to it caused men to die. And this is what they said. If it be so, our God, who, I'm, who we serve, is able to deliver us. Well, that's faith. People are dying, being close to the furnace. They're about to be thrown in, and they say, you know what, i got faith and trust in God that He's going to deliver me anyway from the furnace of the blazing fire, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But that's not even the kind of faith I'm talking about. That's not even the kind of trust in God I'm talking about. I'm talking about this kind of trust and faith. O King, but even if He does not, we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Man, the world needs, even if God doesn't show up faith, even if God doesn't show up trust, you know what, I'm going to stand boldly on my convictions and the Lord is going to save me. But even if He doesn't, I will not bow down my convictions to an ungodly world. Because even though my body be destroyed, I will be with Him for eternity. Job said a beautiful thing. He said, even though my flesh be destroyed, I will see God in the flesh. You know what that means? Even upon my death, I will still be in the presence of God. And that presence is eternal. So why are we sacrificing our right now for an eternal reward? That's the kind of trust we need to have, to recognize that our hope is real, that God hasn't forgotten us, that God sees us, that He cares about us. What about Daniel himself in chapter 6, verses 23? Many of you guys know these stories. I'm intentionally talking about children's stories. You know why? Because we tell these kind of stories in children's ministry because we know that if we can get them to build their faith when they're young, they'll hold on to that faith longer. These are faith-building stories. And then we get to big church, we never talk about them. We want to discuss theory and theology and all this stuff that goes over most of the people's head. Can we just tell you that God is still big like He was back in children's church? That's good. So what about Daniel? Did Daniel trust God? You bet he did. Again, he disobeyed the king. The king was tricked to make a decree, but he made it. And so he had to throw Daniel into the lion's den, which made the king sad. Because the king liked Daniel. But because he gave his word, he had to do what he said. And in 623 it says this, Then the king was very pleased because he woke up the next morning and found that Daniel wasn't dead. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the lion's den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him. Why do you think that is? You think that's because Daniel's a good lion fighter? You think Daniel put on his lion intimidation face? Or maybe the lions realize he ain't got enough meat on his bones to mess with. No, I'll tell you why that is. And I'll tell you why it is straight out of the Word of God. Because he had trusted in his God. Fearless faith trusts God. Truly trusts God. Beyond the thin thing that we say our trust looks like. It is the foundation from which we build every confidence that we have. Every conviction that we have. You know why I can stand here boldly? Or stand on the square boldly? Or in some government office building boldly and declare the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Because I trust that it's true. I know that it's true. And no amount of my declining to tell the truth is going to keep the truth from being the truth. 
And so I might as well be the one to say it. Because I believe that God, even if He doesn't save me physically, will save me eternally through His Son Jesus. And that He wants to, desires to, and reaches out to us because He is the light, the salvation, and the defense over us. Whoo, man, I'm preaching good today. Y'all, y'all, y'all waited for the good service. The last two services were, I mean, you know, they were all right. But let me tell you, God loves you enough to protect you in that lion's den, to protect you in that fire, to protect you when the enemy comes against you. But we need to have the trust to believe that He will. We need to have fearless faith that says, but even if He doesn't, we need to have trust to say, do not fear. Amen? Trust like Noah, Job, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, Joseph. We need to have trust like the hundreds of thousands of martyrs that have died since Christ's day. Because they understood that what happens in the physical is irrelevant in regard to what happens in the spiritual. I'm not diminishing your problems. What I am telling you is that your God is bigger than your problems. I don't care how big your problems are. And it's not that my heart doesn't break for them. But in regard to eternity, 10,000 years from now, your worst problem is going to seem insignificant. If you remember it at all. Trust in that. David says this in regard to trust. Encapsulating the rest of his teaching, he ends on this note, starting in verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witness has risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Fearless faith that trusts. I'm going to make three short points here. Fearless faith that trusts. Ask God to teach them. Fearless faith trusts God's teaching. He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path. I've said it till I'm blue in the face. I'm going to lay this here because I want you to see it. I've said this till I'm blue in the face. But it's not going to keep me from saying it. This is the plan and character of God laid out for His people. This is the heart of God. Is this everything that God is? Can't be. But it's what you need to know. It's what He's revealed to us. It's more than what our finite mind is capable of taking in. When I say, teach me your way, O Lord, when David says, teach me your way, O Lord, you know how He teaches us? By His Word. I implore you, read your Bible. I know 
I sound like a broken record. But I am convinced that if you read your Bible, you'd know how to solve all your problems. That's just the truth. That's why I'm a horrible counselor. People come to me and they say, Pastor Jim, I got such, such problems. I was like, all right, come on in my office. Let's talk about it for about two minutes. Because you came to me with a problem, which means you've been able to identify the fact that you've got a problem. That's, that's most of it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit you down in my office. I'm going to say, okay, so that's your problem? This is what the Word says about that. And I'm going to read you whatever's relative to that. You got that? That's God's will for your life. Now go do that. That's my counseling. Read the Word, do what it says, is what my pastor says. Read the Word, do what it says. You want to know about God? You want to know how much He loves you? You want to know how much you can trust Him, how much He cares for you? You're asking Him to teach you who He is? He's already taught you who He is, but you leave it closed. But then to support this, He gives us His Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it means. Because some of these sayings are hard. Amen? Y'all ever read something else? What's that supposed to mean? You know what I take that as? I take that as a challenge. That's the Holy Spirit saying, let me help you. Why don't you meditate on that? Why don't you spend some time in that? Let me show you what that means for your life. And then I verify that what I've heard and what I understand is true according to wise biblical counsel, which usually comes in the form of Pastor Rick. People say, man, how do I hear from God? How do I know God's ways? Read His Bible. Listen to His Holy Spirit. Receive wise counsel. Somebody around you wants to help you. I said it the other day. I'll say it many, many, many times. I owe this man so much. Because when I was a child in the Lord, he sat me down. And he held a golden crown over my head. It was too big for me. And taught me how to grow into it. Everybody needs relationships like that. That are based in this. Teach me your way, O Lord. By your word. By your spirit. By sound counsel. Amen. But let's keep it in context. He is saying, teach me your way. But he's being very specific here. He's saying, teach me. Oh, I've lost. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. He was being specific about what he wanted instruction in. Some of us need to be a little more specific in our prayer life. What is it you need God to teach you specifically? He says this, Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witness has been raised against me, and, and such as breathe out violence. He said, I need to know how to deal with the people that are lying about me and being violent toward me. You guys ever had anybody lie about you? I have. I probably have this week, maybe today. And I've definitely, probably because of my own provocation, had people try to be violent towards me but God gives us wisdom and how to deal with that the Bible says that God will shut the mouth of the liar 
Trust that God will shut the mouth of the liar. You know why I always refer to the Word of God when, when I'm teaching? Do you know why there's so much Word? I had somebody tell me, you put a lot of Word in your teaching. It's the only thing I got to say. What else would I say? The Word of God tells us that He will shut the mouth of the liar. But we are responsible for protecting our own witness so that God doesn't have to protect our lie. Ooh, what? Some of us lie and then ask God to protect us from the liar. It says this, 1 Peter 3.16, And keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you were slandered, lied about, those who revile you, your good behavior, those who hate you in Christ, will be put to shame. If you keep a good conscience, then those who slander you and perpetrate evil against you or hate you will be put to shame. If you keep a good conscience, then God will. If you keep a good conscience, then God will. It's time we stop expecting God to show up without our willingness to show up. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, man, it'd be nice if congregate or pastors could be expect as much from their congregations as their congregations expect from them. And I agree with that. But isn't it also time that God should be able to expect of us as much as we expect of Him? Shouldn't we give Him the same commitment that He's given us? We do that by protecting our conscience, which means that we ensure that we're not liars, that we're not evildoers. You know how I know that? Because the Word told me that. This book really is pretty cool, man. There's some real cowboys and Indians, Western stuff in there. But you've got to believe it. So he says, I'm going to protect you from the liar. i got a personal example of this. I have a buddy of mine, a pastor local here in town. We had lunch together one day. He took a picture with me, which is kind of a big deal because he's kind of a big deal. made me feel big about myself. And he put it on Facebook, had lunch with my friend, blah, blah, blah. And someone that hates me in this town, which everybody that hates me lives in this town, just so you all know. Everybody that loves me, or not everybody, but most of the people that love me live in this town too, praise the Lord. But everybody that hates me lives here, and someone that hated me, still probably hates me, responded to that text, or responded to that Facebook post, and responded, and responded, and responded, with everything from, I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing, to I'm going to destroy the finances of the church, to I'm going to embezzle, I'm going to take advantage of people, Blah, 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 just on and on and on and on. And so finally I reached out to this pastor. I said, man, can you take that down? Any way you could remove those comments? And he said, no. I thought, come on, man. He said, how about this instead? How about we leave it up and let those who love you defend you? I was like, well, I don't like that, but I, I ain't sure there's enough of them. Let's see what happens. <laughs> By the end of the day, there was so much love poured out in regard to who I am and what people know of my character since I've been saved that that person was forced to delete their comments that's the God that will protect you over the mouth of the liar but he will also protect you 
and deliver you from your enemies. Because remember, they weren't just lying. They were, they were trying to be violent towards him. Psalm 18.48 says, He delivers me from my enemies. Surely you lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from violent men. Trust God. Have a fearless faith that trusts. When I ask God to teach me how to deal with anything, He will teach me. Ask for wisdom and He will give it to you abundantly and without reproach is what the Word of God says. And those prayers need to be specific as they were in this instance. They specifically asked, shut the mouth of the liar, quell the violence, and God will do it. Amen? Do you trust Him like that? But as we trust Him like that, We, need to, we, we begin to realize that, that He isn't just trustworthy. He is good. God is good. I love the verse 13. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. There's been times in my life recently where I would have been in straight despair if I didn't trust that God was good. And I mean perfectly good. Many of you know, according to my doctor, I should be dead. I didn't know that. He didn't tell me that. But Angela went to for a doctor's appointment like three months after the first time I saw her saw him which was like five years ago now praise God and the doctor told her I never expected to see your husband after the first visit but my God is able ain't that good I would have been in complete despair if my God wasn't able two months ago I was in a hospital bed almost bled to death. But my God is faithful and can be trusted. I only tell you my testimony to encourage you in telling yours. Can I tell you, your pastor ain't perfect. But he sure tries. He sure, he sure chases after God with everything he's got. And sometimes, y'all ever see a kid run so fast after something, he trip and fall? Sometimes I do that too. But he always picks me up, dusts me off, puts a Band-Aid on me and says, try again. That's the God we serve. And if we didn't serve that God, I would be in despair. He said, I would be in despair if I didn't trust the goodness of God. Now that doesn't mean goodness as we define good. Because our good would be a whole lot different sometimes. God, this is what I need you to be good in. He has an eternal perspective over our life. He knows that what you're praying for may not ultimately be good for you. And because He's a good God that gives perfect gifts to His children, He may deny you that which, he, that which you desire. Because He is good. I know that's tough, man, because we want what we want. Anybody stubborn like that? No? 
don't look at your husband <laughs> or your daughter. But God is good. Can I tell you, though, David wasn't speaking in an eternal sense, a wait-till-heaven sense. He was speaking in a right-now sense. He said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right now. Jesus Christ, the day you accepted Him and His resurrection, you became a new creature with a new citizenship. You are an ambassador to Christ. You are part of the family. He has not forgotten you. He sees you. He holds you with His righteous right hand. You've heard me declare these promises a thousand times. But you know what? Those promises are true for right now too. God still works miracles on behalf of His people. One of the greatest miracles God works, we take for granted. And that's our salvation. Well, I'm saved. Well, that's great, but you ought to praise God for the miracle of your salvation. You know why it's a miracle? It's a creative miracle. Where He took nothing and created the universe, He took zero righteousness in you and made righteousness through His Son, Jesus. That's a miracle we should celebrate every second of every day. Every time it comes into our mind, we ought to thank God for the fact that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. And we are experiencing that goodness in the land of the living with the promise that we will see it in the land of eternity too. Man, that's good. Amen. That's fearless faith. Fearless faith trusts God's teaching. Fearless faith trusts God's goodness. And finally, fearless faith does a thing that nobody wants to do. Fearless faith waits. I told you, your good thing that you're looking for may not get you, may not get you got right now. So some of us have to wait. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. When you can't see the evidence of what you're looking for, that's okay. That's what faith is. When you can't hold it in your hand, but you're expecting to hold it in your hand at some point, that's good. That's what faith is. I'm asking you to wait on the Lord. The Lord's asking you to wait on Him. Oh, man, I have this promise. I know God told me this. I have this calling in my life, but I haven't seen it come yet. I told you all last week, I waited six years before I could even begin to think to approach my pastor because Pastor Rick wouldn't let me. That's waiting on the Lord. And you know what I did? I encouraged myself in the Lord and found strength in the Lord until my day came, until the opportunity for me came. I didn't rush it, push it, try to pry a door open. I waited on the Lord. We need to learn to, fearless, to fearlessly have faith by waiting in God. So many of us need that kind of trust. What are you waiting on the Lord for? What are you trusting God for? Everybody in here trusts God for something. If you're a believer, you're trusting God for something. You got kids that aren't saved? You got cousins that aren't saved? 
you got enemies that aren't saved, you should be trusting that God's going to reveal himself to them. Are you needing to trust God for your marriage? For your relationship? For your work? For your finances? Everybody needs to trust God for something. Oh, I got kids, they're saved. But I'm trusting that God still keeps his hand on them. Everybody trusts God for something. And everybody in that trust says, God, I have faith, but help me with my faith. I want to hold up a bo- one of those poster boards that says, change my mind. You can't, because it's true. 